welcome to episode 55 of the Balanced Working Moms podcast. This is Rina Misha, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're a busy mom like me who's trying to manage it all, you are absolutely in the right place. In this podcast, you're going to learn secrets on how to live your life so you feel so much more balanced. Welcome to our episode today. I almost feel like doing a dance, doing a dance, because we're going to talk about a topic that we have not talked about yet. (laughs) We're going to do a big one. Money, money, money. Yeah. This is such a great topic because, you know, you can't be balanced if your finances aren't looking so hot. So we're actually going to do this as a two-part series. And today we're going to talk about habits. Because, you know, being a balanced mom, all about habits. So we're going to talk about habits that people who are pretty successful at saving money, what they do. So we're going to be looking at what successful savers do. And then in the next episode, I'm going to share what I personally do to save money. But first, let's talk about habits. Because as you know, that's the secret to everything in life especially money. It's all about your habits, really. (laughs) Like eating healthy, like everything else, all about the habits. Welcome, my friend. Welcome to our episode today, all about money. And I think you could hear from the enthusiasm in my voice, and I'm excited to be talking about this. And I think the reason why is because money can be such a taboo topic. So many people, we don't want to talk about it. We avoid it. But I think it's fun. I like to talk about money. I'm one of these people. I tell my children what I earn. You know, I think it's actually very important to do that because so many parents, they hide things about money. And I want my kids to know what I earn what we choose to buy. I think money is a topic we really need to talk about as a society. It's not a taboo thing, you know, (laughs) please. We talk about any topic here on this podcast. We could talk about money also, okay? Let's talk about it because the more we share, the more we can help each other. It's like anything in life. Nothing has to be taboo. But before we begin, I want to acknowledge that some people are out of work due to COVID, okay? And the habits that we're going to be talking about in this podcast, they do not apply in a crisis situation, okay? So when someone is out of work and you're kind of in crisis, you are not going to be able to apply these tips that I'm talking about, but keep them in the back of your mind and come back to them when things are back to normal because they are going to help you so much. Because a lot of this is a money mindset. It's a money mindset. Like I said, we talk about money in our family. Let's talk about it on this podcast. We bring everything out in the open so we can share this abundance mindset. So important. Okay, so let's get started. Now, if you came to my house, you would feel very, very comfortable And not just because, you know, we're such nice people, 
but that's a polite way of saying that my house is a normal average house. It's not big. It's a split foyer, you know, and what that means is when you come in, you either go upstairs or downstairs. It was built over 60 years ago in the 1950s, so it's not so modern. (laughs) And it's a lovely house, and we have made a lot of improvements over the years. But it's certainly nothing like a McMansion. It has three bedrooms, and it's a good size for our family. So why am I talking about my very normal house? Well, when we bought it, the market was starting to go up. You know, this is before that real estate bubble hit, and we saw that one coming. Can I just say? (laughs) We saw that coming. And we were told by our finance people, by our realtor, that we could borrow a lot more than what we felt comfortable with. You know, they told us we should be able to spend three times our combined salaries on a house. And we were newly married, and we didn't know what the future was going to bring. You know, we wanted children and we knew daycare was not cheap. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm glad we didn't know exactly how expensive it was going to (laughs) be, but we knew it wasn't cheap and we didn't know what other expenses we would have. I mean, we were in our twenties, we were young, we didn't know what the future was going to bring. So we decided, you know what, we're just not comfortable with this. And we were going to go against common wisdom at the time. And instead, first of all, we fired that realtor because we felt like she was putting too much pressure on us. And we decided to get a house where we felt comfortable making the payments now and in the future should our expenses go up. Was this the right decision? I have to tell you, truthfully, Sometimes I do wish we bought a fancier house because now that we're here, I don't want to move. So what we've done is we've made improvements to the house because the whole thought of moving, I mean, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I am not doing it. But financially, was this a good decision? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And like I said, this was against the norm at the time. I'm hoping now that the bubble burst, that the norm is different now. But at the time, we were going against all the people. You know, most of the realtors would encourage us to buy a bigger house, to spend more. The finance people said you could for sure do it. But this brings us to the first habit of successful savers, and they live below their means. Live below their means. My husband loves this book. I actually haven't read it, but as he's reading it, he's literally reading it out loud to me because he loves this book and it's called Millionaire Next Door. And according to the book, most millionaires are self-made and they actually work at normal jobs and they live next door to people who have a fraction of their wealth. So these millionaires are really, really wealthy They live next to people who don't have so much money. And I remember when my husband was reading it because he learned in the book that the most common brand of wristwatch that millionaires wear is a Seiko. (laughs) And we both looked at our watches. Seiko, right? Steve Jobs wore a Seiko watch. 
But I feel like this point is so important because who wants to worry about money all the time? You know, who wants to worry about it? And I love this concept because it makes it a choice. It means that it's optional. So let's say you want to spend. Let's say you want to get a really, really fancy watch. Well, if you live below your means, please go ahead. It's up to you. It becomes your decision. And when it's a choice that feels really, really good, when you choose to live below your means, not that you're forced to, not that you're a victim and you can't buy what you want, you can't buy that expensive watch, but you choose not to, you see what a difference that mindset is? But I'm telling you, this one could be hard to do, especially in the culture where I live in the United States. I don't know that this is generally done so much in our culture, but I remember once watching Susie Orman, and I remember a kid called into the show, and it was a young child. I think she was maybe maybe 10, and she asked Susie, how can I be wealthy? And I remember Susie said, always spend less than you earn. If you do that, you'll always be rich. Isn't that amazing? And like I said, if you're in a crisis situation, this is not going to apply to you right now. But hopefully when things aren't in crisis, this will apply. And when you always spend less than you earn, you're going to feel rich. So I tell my kids this all the time. All the time I quote what Susie Orman said, and I must have seen it on TV maybe 10 years ago. And it really made an impact on me, really made an impact because wealth is just having that extra. You know, it's not necessarily a monetary figure. It's not necessarily having $2 million in the bank. It's about feeling like you can buy what you want to buy because you have some extra. So I would say that's one of the biggest habits of successful savers. And the next habit of successful savers is they save automatically, or as I say, automatically. I just love this. I love it. I love it. And this habit is related to the prior habit. It goes hand in hand. So here's how it works. So you set up automatic payments to yourself. It could be a bank account. It could be retirement, whatever it is. And you have a certain amount or even a percentage of your income going to, you know, your retirement. And what this does, it's kind of, like I said, automatically, because it makes your take-home pay look really, really low, you know, <laughs> depending on how much you put away. It could look like you earn a lot less money. And maybe you do earn a decent amount, but then once your employer takes out that huge chunk, things aren't looking so great. So back to habit number one, you know, you're living below your means. Your paycheck looks smaller because you're paying yourself. <laughs> so you don't actually see that money. It's so magical, isn't it? It's genius. Now, you may be listening and you're telling me, okay, I do not have extra money to do this. You know, I can't start doing this now. I'm just not going to have enough. But if you don't have a lot of money, you could start small. You know, you could start small. For example, you could save $5 a pay period into a bank account. You know, 
just $5 and have it be done automatically. I actually think that's one of the keys because, you know, if you have to start going into your account and transferring money, like that's work. <laughs> that is not going to happen. But if you set up a system where it's done automatically, much more likely to happen. So get in the habit now. Get in the habit saving automatically and it's going to help you. It'll help you live below your means. It'll also help create this wealth, you know, this money you can draw on emergency money, retirement money, whatever it is, such a win-win. And so many successful savers, this is how they do it. They don't even see it as their money. You know, they just see it as this extra money that's just magically being saved because it doesn't feel like theirs because it hasn't hit their paycheck. <laughs> No, it just goes in automatically. So that's a really nice way to do it. And I've saved my third tip for last because it's a little controversial, shall we say. But I think, and I've read this as well, that the third habit of successful savers is they do not have a budget. Did I really just say that? No budget? What? <laughs> You're probably questioning my sanity right now. How can you not have a budget? But listen to me. What if you're doing number one, you're living below your means. Number two, you're saving automatically. I think you're doing great. I think you're doing better than most people do. But here's the problem with a budget. I personally, and again, Take this advice or leave it, you know, <laughs> eat the fish, spit out the bones. But I think it's impossible to stick with a budget personally. And I think it gives you the wrong mindset because what I was talking about before is choice. So you're choosing to live below your means. You're choosing to save money before it even hits your paycheck. It's kind of like a game, you know? You can afford something, but you don't want to buy it so you could save your money. You see how that gives you all the power, not your money? When you have a budget, you're taking away that power. You're giving the money that power. The reason why you're not spending money is because you're not allowed to. It's not in your budget. It's no longer your choice. You see how that creates a mentality of not enough? You see how that's going to perpetuate the feeling of being poor, feeling like you're always doing something wrong or not getting something you really want. And I just want to challenge you, find me somebody who has a budget and actually sticks to it. I think I know one person in my life who actually does this. <laughs> one person. It's so rare. And if you're one of those people, if you're one of the 1%, who are doing a budget and sticking to it, ignore my advice, continue on, but just know that that is rare. And if you're like most of us who cannot stick to a budget because it feels so restrictive, it's like a teenager who wants to do something and she isn't allowed. What happens? She wants to do it more. I found a great quote on a blog. The blog is called Minding My 30s. And the blog is about financial mindfulness. 
And Liz writes in this blog, she writes, this is great. She writes, budgets are a lot like dieting, temporary solutions to a long-term problem. They just aren't sustainable. If you want change, change your mindset. If you want progress, build habits and systems. That's great, right? It goes right with what we believe to be a balanced mom. You need those habits, you need those systems. Here's more what she writes. Budgets, like dieting, generally do not work because they don't account for flux in lifestyle and often focus too much on finer details like tracking every cent or counting every calorie without understanding the bigger picture. And I have this bolded in my notes. She writes, their strict nature imposes guilt, shame, and failure when you spend a few dollars more than you initially set out to or give into a slice of decadent cake. It spirals you into a failed mindset loop of doing it again and again because you already messed up. So what's the point of staying on track? I thought what she said was so wise. She's comparing a budget to a diet. You know, diets don't work. At least that's what I'm told. What you do is you make healthy habits and a healthy lifestyle. Same with money, right? Same exact thing. It's so funny how every part of our life is connected. And once you think about the rules that apply to one area, you apply them to other areas, they work just the same. You start having calorie reduction or money reduction, you're going to want it more. It's going to create a mindset where if you already spend too much, you may as well keep going. You've already missed your budget. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. Instead, let's create a mentality where we choose what we want to spend. I choose not to buy that because I would prefer to live below my means or I want to be a minimalist. I don't want so much stuff. Let's give you the power, not your money. And I want to end with this note. Let's think in terms of abundance. Let's change our mindset. Instead of, I can't afford to buy something, let's change it to, I choose not to buy something. I choose to pay myself first because that abundant mentality, you know what that creates? You guessed it. (laughs) More money, more money abundance rather than being restrictive and seeing money like chocolate cake that you can't have. Let's create this money abundance mindset because we need to. We need to feel this way. We need this to be more balanced because like we said in episode number one, every area of our life has to work in order for us to feel balanced. So if one pillar of our life isn't going well, if it's money, how can any other pillar go well? So I wish you a beautiful and abundant money mindset. I wish you lots of joy as you choose to spend your money. And I wish you beautiful habits as you decide what you're going to spend your money on. And you're the one in the driver's seat. You have the abundant money mindset and you decide. You decide. Your money doesn't tell you what to do. You tell your money what to do. Thank you for listening to our episode today. And I hope you see 
how we apply all parts of our life the same way. So just like we create habits and systems to get our laundry done, we can do the same thing with money and we can make it easier by doing things automatically. Thank you for listening today and I wish you so much beautiful balance. 